I think I was uh, looking up uh, shirts on Amazon and came across uh, the one that said, I, I run for pizza. And uh, when Ava was like, hey, uh, in the new year, let's do keto. And I was like, cool, well, we're launching Pizza Church, uh, and so that's going to be a nightmare. Uh, I, I kid, but she's, she's on keto. I'm doing something, I guess, a little bit different. Uh, uh, I want to invite you for a second to, uh, to my midlife crisis. Uh, this, uh, this past May, uh, I had a friend gift me a, a digital conference uh, by Dave Ramsey. Uh, the group rate was like $2,000, so it was an incredible gift uh, to give, give to me. And so I'm sitting there in my living room while taking part in this conference, and uh, one of the speakers uh, got up and was talking about racing uh, and running. And, uh, and he said, hey, every life, whether you want to admit it or not, every life crosses a finish line. Uh, that every single one of us, we're going to die someday and our life will cross a finish line. In this life, you get to decide what the finish line is you're going to cross. Uh, and so the comment that he made, the question that he asked uh, uh, to, uh, to, to kind of ponder was, okay, the, the trajectory of your life, the finish line that you are going to cross, if you were to die, are you going to be happy with the finish line that you're going to cross? And uh, I sat there alone in my living room, and I was like, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not content. If I were to die right now, I'm going to die a man that's just a nice man. Uh, if my church was to continue going the way it's going, my church will, will conclude by just being a nice church in Tom's River. And I was like, man, like, that's not what I want to give my life over to. And I had this, this truly, this midlife crisis. And it was right around that time uh, that I came across the, pass the passage that we're going to look at today and what truly is success. In my world, I'm in a career that loves comparison. How big is your church? How many people do you have coming on a Sunday morning? How many people are watching online? How much do you make? How many people were baptized last year? How many salvations do you have? I, I can look around at all the celebrity pastors and say they have more, 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 and I have to step back and say, is success more? In whatever circle you travel in, what is success? What are the metrics of success? As a guy who's madly in love with Jesus and madly, it truly, it's in my making, it's in my fabric, to be in love with success, shouldn't Jesus be the lens in which I view success? How many of us are successful in the metrics and the standards of the world, but not of God's. How many of us assume, perhaps, that if we were to die, we cross that finish line, the Christians know the passage in this room from Matthew where Jesus says to the, to the faithful servant, well done, good and faithful servant. As a Christian, I desire to cross the finish line with my Jesus standing there saying, well done, well done, well done. And how many of us think that we will hear that, but we think that based off of the standards of the world because we're crushing it with their metrics. Have we secularized Christian success? Have we brought in the metrics of the world into the church, thinking that if we're successful in areas that the world says is success, that we must be successful as a Christian? And then, if you think, for me, failure will put me in the grave. And there are times, 
given the world's metrics where I don't feel like a success, I feel like a failure, everything around me right now by their standards would make me feel like a failure. So then the question has to become, are there times where you and I feel like a failure when God sees our lives as super successful because our metrics are different? If we define success differently than God defines it, we're going to start feeling ways in which God does not feel. Is that true of you? Is that true of me? Is that true of us? So what is biblical success? I want you to like kind of pause right now. You can maybe even jot it down in your go in your go deeper guide. If you were to describe right now what is biblical success, what would you say? What does it mean to be a biblically successful person? What are the metrics? And my guess is, maybe not all of us, but my guess is that many of us would write out a definition that if we think about it, perhaps we would say Jesus wasn't successful because that's what happened to the disciples. I know there are many other things going on at play at that moment, but at the moment, they had a king in mind that was going to have certain metrics, certain things that are going to happen, and then he dies a criminal on a cross. One of them kills himself. The other 10 scatter. Only one is at the foot of the cross. Yes, there's more to the story, but many of them had a version, a vision of success. Jesus did not meet that, and so many of, most of them scattered in that moment. Disenfranchised. And I've been there. I've been there disenfranchised because I had an improper view of success. I've been there disenfranchised, feeling like a failure with all the wrong metrics, wanting to end it, wanting to run. And that's not just to be extreme. That's not just to, like that is real in my life because there are a lot of people with my sort of a making that failure will truly put them in the grave. In America, this is more of us than we think. That drive, that drive, that drive. But what is biblical success? And so I want to read to you guys the, the verse that rocked me. The verse that I, think, that I think gives us some metrics for us to hang on to. Here's what the verse is. It's what Ellie read uh, during the worship set. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. I was there. I was, I was doing my, my time with Jesus in the morning. I came across this verse and I stopped. It was one of those clear moments in my life where I just, like the world stopped. I read that verse and I said, I want that. And so what we're going to do today and for this series Usually we have a big thought that's trying to be catchy and memorable. My big thought today is more just a definition. So it's not going to be written the way that we typically have a big thought written. What I think is a biblical definition of success is this. Biblical success is when God's heart and God's ways become my heart and my ways. You want to die a successful Christian? Look at the life of Christ. Look at his heart. Look at his ways and have that become who you are. And there is a success. Whatever falls uh, from all of that, gravy, good, wonderful. But if it's, if, it's, if it's a big church without a heart that loves Jesus, you're a failure. <laughs> 
If it's, if it's a man, uh, I, gave, I gave thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to the church and they owe me, you're a failure. <laughs> Biblical success is when God's heart and God's ways become my heart and my ways. I want that. I want favor with, I want favor with God. I want favor with man. I, 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 but, but do I want to accomplish it the way that God wants to accomplish it? That's the question for us as we go throughout this series. We, we want the success, but do we want to do it God's ways? I, I want the cookie without the baking. I want the butter without all the churning. Uh, I just want to go to the grocery store and pick it up and give it to me. That, that's the American way to, to, to be successful in God's eyes and do it in God's ways means that we actually have to do it God's ways. It means we actually have to do the churning. We actually have to do the baking. And therefore, then we will find success. Success is when God's ways and God's heart becomes my way in my heart. The verse starts with let not. Because maybe that was you 20 years ago. And it kind of slipped away. Or maybe you became a Christian and you're like, well, if I just read through the Bible in a year, then my life will be groovy. <laughs> Everything will be good. I pray every day. I read my Bible. So my life should be top notch. And you lost sight of what God is truly after from the heart to the way. <laughs> And so let's not let it slip away. And so what we're going to do today is I just want to look at the recipe and the results. And what we're going to do for the rest of this series, we're going to take it phrase by phrase. And, I, and, and we're going to look at a passage that talks about steadfast love. We're going to look at a passage that talks about faithfulness. We're going to look at different par- portions of the Bible that I think emphasize each one of these things. Favor, good success, all of those things. And then we'll, we'll conclude with this as a package is what success looks like. Like, and so here's the recipe. What did, what did we say? Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them on your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Those are the, that's the recipe. Those are, those are the ingredients. And, and if you were the first person to read this, when, when, you're, when you're that early uh, Hebrew Jewish boy reading these passages, you would say, man, that sounds a lot like God. You would, you would think through passages that says steadfast love, faithfulness. Like, those are words often that would describe God. And you would be right that what is true of God has to be increasingly true of us. What defines Jesus must define us as we are children of God. And so here, here are, are the ingredients. The first one is, is steadfast love. That's faithful love. That is, that is something like I've made a problem. Like Ava and I are in a covenant love relationship, and that goes beyond feelings and emotions. That is a togetherness that transcends the, the emotional. That is a commitment to one another. That is, I, I love you day in and day out. It is this, it's this consistent godliness and this consistent character. It's to be steady. It's to be immovable. It's to love all things. It's to bear all things. It is to endure. The, the Christian that has lost sight of steadfast love is, is the Christian that, that has lost sight of loving for God. And is, when you lose sight of loving God, then you lose sight of loving thy neighbor. It's the package deal that I'm madly in love with my Jesus. And so I'm madly in love with the people around me because I see my God as faithful. One of the words that you can see in this steadfast love you, you, could, you could use this word dependable. And here's the question to ask ourselves when we think about the ingredient of steadfast love. Can the people around me depend on me to be loving? 
Can the people around me depend on me to be loving? The, the second characteristic, uh, uh, the second ingredient is faithfulness. To stay faithful, to stay true, to be a person of trust. Like faithfulness and trust, they, they go hand in hand. Faith is oftentimes uh, uh, is tr- trusting what is unseen. I didn't see Jesus die on the cross. I didn't see him rise from the grave, but I trust the accounts of the people that say it happened. I see what Jesus does in my life, and I trust it. I have faith in it. What James will say is that you don't see the wind, you don't see the wind, but you see the trees move. You see the impact of wind, and so therefore you have faith that wind is real. We have faith in Jesus. We trust what is unseen. So faith and trust become inseparable terms. As a faithful Christian, loving a faithful God, are we trustworthy as a faithful person? Do we yield ourselves not to the wisdom of the world, but to the wisdom of God himself? Saying, God, you are faithful, is more about going God's faithful way than God, prove yourself to be faithful by giving me, giving me, giving me, giving me. God, you are faithful, so I'm going to live a faithful way out of dependence and trust for the king. The third ingredient is, is commitment. This is, this is oftentimes overlooked. This is oftentimes like something that, that we want to we forget about. We love the, the, the flash in the pan, but the day in and day out grind, <laughs> that's annoying. <laughs> My doctor told me I had to lose 20 pounds. I'd love to lose it tonight, <laughs> but it's going to take me months if I want to do it in a healthy way. <laughs> it's going to take commitment. Day two of insanity, let me know. Ask me in 60 days if I complete it. (laughs) The commitment is is linked to the neck. You see that binded around your neck. We, we, I mean, uh, back in college, you and I used to be like, oh, that girl's cute. I never, never once said to my buddies, she has a cute neck. (laughs) Right? Like the neck's kind of (laughs) overlooked. The neck's not something that we really talk about. The neck's like, oh, man, but when it's not working... You know it. When the neck is hurt, you know it. You take a bullet or an arrow to the neck, you know it. You're gone. You're done for. It is so critically important, yet often overlooked. The same is true of commitment. The day in and day out grind. To be faithful today, to be faithful tomorrow, to be faithful... If we're going to go back to that steadfast love, that covenant relationship, I cannot go to Ava and say, Ava, come on. I was faithful for 32 years. It was one day. That's a swift kick to hmm. Commitment is day in and day out that grind that many people will not notice. But God, when we cross the finish line, will. And the heart. The heart that I think, the the ingredient that puts us all together, the heart, the the wellspring of life, the original and bountiful source, the heart, is that you and I could do all of these ingredients. You could put all the ingredients into the melting pot of life. You could do that all. Guess what? There is many religious people that are faithful, that are steadfast. There are many religious people, but they don't have the heart. They're doing it because they have to, not because they get to serve their God that way. The heart is the difference between self-reliance and trust for the Savior. 
The heart says that this is, like when he talks about the fabric of your being, the tablet of your heart, that's like having it tattooed on your heart. That's saying, you know what? I'm in this. I'm not saying that I'm a Christian. I'm not writing that in pencil. That's saying there is no eraser. There is that old song that says, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me. That is the heart of a Christian. There is no turning back. This is not a season of my life. This is who I am. I found the real me when I found Jesus. And the heart that says that this is no longer a temporary obsession, but now a forever relationship with my Jesus. So I had a buddy that told me, Jason, you're a little high strung. You need to find a hobby. Uh, And so um, uh, I get tied to my cell phone too much. And so I was like, well, I'll start baking. Uh, and so, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about this before. I can't play with my phone when I'm baking. Uh, and so, but I was like, man, if I'm really going to take a baking, I need to make a competition out of it because I like winning. Uh, and so Ava talks about baking all the time in our household. I said, Ava, I need your, I need your mixer as a, your kitchen aid uh, as, a, as a prop to, for the sermon. That went over like a fart in a spacesuit. Uh, but here it is. Uh, and uh, so I love baking, but I also love winning. And so I created that competition at the church um, back in the day. And many people brought in cookies and a uh, peer of judges, my friends, they knew it was Pastor Jason. They voted me the second best cookie in the church. So no bragging here, but uh, I'm going to make a pretty good cookie, apparently. Uh, but here's, here's the thing. I go to ShopRite in Bayville. And I'm going down the aisle, and I, I was like, I need, I need the best ingredients. Like, I, if I want to win this thing, uh, these are uh, Giadelli. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, uh, they make a killer ice cream, uh, by the way. Uh, but anyways, I saw premium baking. And I was like, premium is more expensive, but I like the word premium. So I bought these as the ingredients to, to make cookies. And then uh, the cookie that I make, uh, I love it. It's um, like a mint chocolate chip brownie cookie. Uh, and it's, uh, if you like mint. You love my cookies. If you don't like mint, well, then you don't like cookies. Uh, and so, uh, and so I, same thing, uh, premium, premium baking Dutch process. And uh, I was like, okay, like, this is like, again, like $2, $3 more. And like, if you're into cooking and baking, you're always trying to pinch pennies. But I like make a cookie like every two months. So I'm like, make it rain, money, whatever. Uh, and so I put the very best ingredients into the pot. I didn't go. I wanted to make a the brownie chocolate chip cookie, mint chocolate chip cookie. That, you know what that meant? It meant I didn't need to go down the frozen aisle <laughs> because there was nothing there that was going to help me. <laughs> that, that area where you can buy like an overpriced uh, frying pan and dog toys, I think those are in the same aisle. <laughs> I didn't have to go there because there was nothing there that was going to help me. <laughs> in the ethnic aisle, there was nothing there that was going to help me for this specific cookie. There was one aisle that really helped me find all the ingredients I needed. I needed specific ingredients for a specific outcome. Notice what's not in the list of ingredients for the recipe that you and I need to to go towards a successful life. It's not a location. You don't have to be living in Israel to be a successful Christian. It's not power. You don't, you don't have to be in some civic uh, position of power or position of power at your job or position of power in your family. Or it's like the, I, well, if I had this position or this title, I might be a successful Christian. If I had the title pastor, if I had the title this, I would be successful. 
It's not that location where not only Israel, it's not like, well, you know, I'll be a successful Christian if I go overseas to Africa or Asia or Iraq or someplace crazy. That's what it means to be a successful Christian. It just means giving God your very best as he defines best and letting him handle the outcomes. If God doesn't tell you to go over to Africa, but you go anyways, then that's failure. It also means that, man, like, yeah, like, you, could, you, could, you might make $36,000 a year, and you give $300 faithfully to the church every single month. But the person next to you, they're worth millions, and they give $10,000 a year. Who's the more faithful Christian? It means doing it God's way with God's heart, and letting him control the outcome. The results are that. Do you see see the results? The, The results are so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God. And man, isn't that what we, that we are striving for, that biblical success is where God's ways and God's heart become my ways and my, and my heart, my ways. That he looks at this and he says, like, Here, here's what this will lead to. If this, is, if this is around your neck, if this is in the fabric of your being, if this is tattooed on the tablet of your heart, then, then I will look at your life as a successful life. Then guess what? The byproduct is that the people around you that can depend on you to be loving, that you'll find favor with them. That you'll find favor with God, that, 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 that this is something that, that is really what we are all striving for. Like if we read that last portion of the verse, who in their right mind would say, I don't want that? <laughs> we would read that and we would say, success in the sight of God and man, favor with God, sign me up. <laughs> but we go back to the question, are we willing to do it God's Are we willing to say, God, if you define favor, because Noah was said to have favor, you're going to have to go build a boat. (laughs) And your friends are going to talk crap about you. (laughs) Mary was said to have favor with God, and she'd have had a kid without being married. (laughs) You're going to have to be talked about. You're going to have to have a reputation. You're going to have to go through hardship. We talked about that Christmas Eve. So when we look at favor with God, I know there's plenty of religious circles that will tell you favor with God will lead to X, Y, Z. But what if favor with God is more like a promotion? (laughs) You've been proven faithful with little, and so I'm going to give you a promotion to trust you with much more. (laughs) What if that is what favor looks like for you and I, that God would trust us with more and more in our lives for the work of the kingdom? And so we put all these ingredients into, into, the, into the mixer, and we expect something to pop out. Like if we expect, like for me, I make a great cookie, uh, and so uh, I've given it to my neighbors, and some of them have come to church. I, uh, if I make the cookie, if all, if all of this works out well, then I, then I expect that I can use that for good. Like I can crush my wife in a baking competition. I have the mic. She doesn't. She's a way better baker than I am. I, I, I kid only for that. Uh, but anyways, we expect to put certain things out and for certain things to then come out. If I put these things in the mixture, I do not expect to pull out a nice little pumpkin pie. 
That would make no sense, right? But many of us think that we can put all the ingredients into the mixer. And I'm going to pull out a bigger bank account. (laughs) I can pull all these into the mixer, my world. I'm going to put all these ingredients into the mixer and whoop, the church is going to explode. (laughs) I can put all these into the mixer and all of a sudden the book will write itself. I can put all these into the mixer and my kids will be perfect little angels and not the devils that they are. (laughs) We put the ingredients in and we expect the cookie to come out. That the certain ingredients make a certain thing. And so for you and I, when we're putting things into the mixer, we can expect favor with God, but favor being defined as God defines it. Success being defined as God defines success, favor, success with God, success with... This was all said of the early church. They had success with the people around them. They also had persecution. (laughs) And so are we willing to do it God's ways, with God's heart, or are we trying to put different ingredients into the pot? I'll just throw some money in the pot. (laughs) I'll throw my church attendance into the pot. (laughs) I'll throw my Bible reading into the pot. And out will come, we have to put the ingredients that God wants in to get the results that God wants. Too many of us are trying to put the ingredients that God never wanted into the pot, hoping that that will then yield a faithful Christian life. You can give $1,000 to this church today but with the wrong attitude, it don't mean crap. And it don't don't impress nobody. But the faithful widow that says, I have two dimes to rub together, I'm going to give one of those dimes to the church and trust God to take care of me, that's the most faithful gift. Are we willing to put into the mixture what God intends for the mixture to have in and allow him to produce the results? Biblical success is when God's heart and God's ways become my way and my heart. Thanksgiving morning, I, uh, I signed uh, my son Brady and I uh, up for a 5K. I offered it to the whole family. Brady was the only one that said yes. And, uh, and so we, it was in, we were in Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, the Mountaineer state. So Mountaineer and 5K, those two words together are a nightmare. Uh, and so, uh, but we signed up for this 5K and I paid our money and whatnot. We go, I, I go early, I get our, I get our, running, our running thing. And, and I find out that I thought, going into it, uh, that I, could, I was going to run a 5K with Brady, which was really selfish of me because I knew I didn't have to work too hard. Um, that I would, I would be able to walk, catch my breath, do it at his pace, which would be great for me. Uh, and I, when, I signed, when, I, when I got there, Brady had a different bib, a different color. And, uh, and there was like, oh, no, the kids... They run a 800 meters. They run two laps around the race, around the, the, the whatever track. And uh, I was like, oh, well, that's probably smart and good. Um, but selfishly, I wanted him to run with me so I could, when I was sucking wind, I could, you know, stop. And uh, all of a sudden, like, things had to change. And so, like, Ava shows up. We're taking pictures. We have our bibs on. And all the time, like, that whole morning, I was just like, I actually have to run this 5K and not be terrible at it, 
uh, this is now a nightmare. I don't want to do this. Like there was not an ounce of me that actually wanted to do it. Uh, and so Reagan wanted to do it, and she's a, she was just like, I just want to run. And I was like, good for you, whatever. Um, and so she ran, signed her up. Brady, Brady was sizing everybody up. Brady is a linebacker football player, not a Kenyan marathon runner. Uh, but he was sizing everybody up and saying, I'm going to beat that guy, I'm going to beat that guy. And I was like, dude, you have another thing coming your way. Uh, I think he took fifth, and he thought it was the greatest thing ever. And, uh, and so uh, I actually had to run the 5K. And when I started, I was just like, okay, like, just finish. <laughs> like, don't come in last. Uh, and all of a sudden, I look, at the, I look behind me, because I got right up to, the, uh, right up to the, the starting line. And I looked behind me, and I was like, man, this is not some small turkey trot. There is 400 people signed up for this thing. Uh, Ava's looking at me. I'm looking like, oh, my gosh, what? Like, this stinks. I had to, in my mind, I had to redefine success. Success was not finishing with my son because in the race, my son was out of the equation. (laughs) Success for me was just finish, and in my head, I was like, be under 30 minutes because... That would say, like, I'm not completely out of shape, but, like, I, you know, I, I, I respect, I, and so I, I ran, I forget my time was, but it was under 30 minutes. I had to redefine success knowing that my, my goal was just to finish and have fun with it so I could eat some turkey later on. I had to redefine success for our church. A year and a half ago, a pizza church would never have been seen as a successful thing to consider. A successful thing to consider would have been a huge band and a, a huge children's ministry, and, but a fire hall where we just eat some pizza and talk about Jesus <laughs> would never have been seen as successful. But if our job is to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community, then it makes complete sense. <laughs> our job is to ignite a craving for Jesus. The how could go so many different ways. And so we redefined a success to try to build a passionate following of, ch- of people to build passionate churches. And so that brings us to Bayville, to love on the community there, doing things a little bit differently. I had to do that in my own life as I go into 2022. I looked at 2021 and said, man, 2020 was a train wreck. And I felt like God just saying, hey, in 2021, stabilize, stabilize. Like, I'm not big on like that whole word for a year thing, but I guess I'm becoming big on that word for a year thing. And I just, in all of 2021, the word was just stabilize, stabilize, stabilize. And I feel like God honored that. I feel like we ended the year a healthier church, a more stable church. Even though the metrics may not, to the eye, look like that, the behind the scenes is that there's much greater stability. But as I, as I turn the table on to, on to 2022, what I feel like God is, is putting on my heart, I hope I spelled this right, uh, putting on my heart is to attack. Uh, and that, man, like if from a stable place now, now it's time to attack. Now it's time to build the mission. Now it's time to attack the mission. We were doing that, but we were, we were kind of building a, a stronger foundation to go and to attack. I feel like that in my life. I feel like, man, like I got a little flabby in, in 2021. Now it's time to attack. Now it's time to attack. And so I have, I have six goals. I, I wrote them down. I started reading this book. My grandfather and Nana got it for me. Uh, it's Mark Batterson. Uh, do it for a day. It's a good book so far. I can give you a recommendation later on. Uh, but so far, it's pretty good. Uh, but in this book, uh, kind of talking about how to create habits and whatnot, I just use this as my bookmark to remind me. My fun goal for the year is to, is to hike a 14,000-foot mountain uh, in 2022. 
I've already uh, been texting with Jordan RC in, uh, in Colorado, and I think together we're going to uh, hike Pikes Peak. That's going to be fun. Uh, my faith goal is to finish a book on biblical success, what God is teaching me through this. My fitness goal is to be at a, a healthy BMI because my doctor said I'm not. <laughs> my financial goal is to, to build a, a, a nest egg, an emergency fund that if Ava's ever out of work, if I'm ever out of work, can at least give us a little bit of time to find something. My family goal is to do something with Landon where we, we do a year of what we're going to call discipleship, where I just take a year to really invest in Landon as a, what will be a 12-year-old to prepare him for the, the life ahead of him. And then my goal with my friends is to find a group of friends to go on a family vacation with and create a bunch of trouble during a family vacation. Those are my goals, and that's how I'm looking to attack 2022. And so I want to challenge you uh, with this. You guys are all given a, a race uh, number. Your lives are going to cross a finish line. And I hope everybody watching and everybody in this room, when your life crosses that final finish line, my prayer as a pastor is that you would hear from the only voice that counts, well done, good and faithful servant. And so my challenge to you is to th consider for a second what's going to be your focus in 2022? What's going to help you get there? My second challenge is that you would consider writing five to six goals to help you live that out in 2022. And yes, new year, new us, new me, new you, what, I don't know, whatever the phrase is. It's not about the new year. It's about crossing that finish line and getting the greatest applause ever. Well done, well done, well done.